Taylor Decker's on my all 22 fantasy team, by the way. Stop. Stop it. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Taylor's I don't care, and I'm in the league. I'm just trying to hype up the future of fantasy football here. They told me we could hype it up. Nobody cares about your fantasy team. That's one of the uh, cardinal my rules way. of broadcasting. Regardless of the medium, they don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right? Your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is gonna it's gonna change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town with goals down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. Hello and welcome to the All 22 Podcast. My name is Chris Lombardi and I'm joined by Bobby Acker and Ray Cotto and we are the founders of All 22. Guys, good morning. Morning. Chris, you sound a little tired, dude. All right? Yeah, I had a couple beers last night. Um, Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Drinking on on a Wednesday night? Yeah, it's the day I go in the city for work, so it always ends up being a little bit of a party. Nice. Yeah. How are you guys? I'm doing great, dude. I got my, uh, I was telling Ray, I got my first jersey of a player that's younger than me yesterday. So, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, kind of like, I don't really like buying jerseys of players that are younger than me. I feel like it's weird. I don't, I don't, I don't know why. Like, yeah. I think it's I think weird like when you're five like five years on Daniel Jones and like I don't want his jersey because of that. I think it's weird when you're like in your twenties because like you're like just older than them. But I feel like when you're like forty, it probably matters a little less. Yeah, I've been just going with vintage. Like Eli's pretty old, you know, like stuff like that. Like been sticking that way. It's also my first ever offensive lineman jersey, which is pretty cool. Who did you so go with? First of many, hopefully. I went with. Can you guess? Andrew Thomas. Yeah, Andrew Thomas, baby. Very cool. Yeah, I'll post a picture of it later. It's one of the it's the Giants throwbacks they came out with. It's pretty sweet. Awesome. Yeah, so it's I'm like the great. blue with the red sleeve. Yeah. Yeah, kind of awesome. like a Bills jersey. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, it was I mean, it was him or Evan Neal, I guess, right? Evan Neal hasn't done anything to prove it, you know what I mean? At least Andrew <laughs> Thomas has had like a pretty solid couple of years. You know, it seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, I'm about it. Love it. Love it. Ray, how about you? What's going on? Yeah, he had one solid year. Let's relax. Um, no, it's training camps here. I'm just excited uh, to actually be able to like follow along training camp updates, even though it's it's always exaggerated, right? It's like, oh, someone made a nice catch in practice. And it's like, oh, yeah, fantasy stock is going through the roof now. It's like, no, it's it, it's not. Terrace Marshall is not going to be a wide receiver, you know, a top 24 wide receiver just because he made a nice catch in practice or something. So they, they make know. nice catches and it's like, people get excited. It's like, Hey idiot, it's walkthroughs, you know? Yeah. Relax. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the Saquon one hander that like went viral yesterday? It was like, there was nobody, there was nobody on around him. It was like, he was going like half speed. Yeah. yeah. But, he, but uh, he's done that before. Like, you know what I mean? Fair. It's, it's when someone that someone drafted in like the third round of their, their dynasty draft, three years mm-hmm. ago that they're holding on to that hasn't done anything makes like a nice catch. And they're like, oh, yep, this is it. Did you see Russell if you were Wilson? Talking about, if you were talking about any other running back, Ray never would have stuck, stuck up for him. <laughs> Just because it's Saquon, he sticks up for him. Right. Take a drink, everyone. Penn State player. Yeah. Um, yeah. But did you see yeah. Russell Wilson wearing his own jersey, like out and about, like not at practice? I don't have a problem with that. Like that throwback Denver jersey mm. is sick. Like I – I'd wear my own jersey too if I had like a, a throwback like that. 
was dope. You you would wear your own jersey too. You yeah, would. hell yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Was what is he going to wear? Wear Elway? Like, no. Wear your own, bro. It's cool. Wear like Demarius Thomas or something. He gets Russell right, Wilson like gets so much hate for being just straight up weird, and like, maybe it's just his brand. You know, he's just embracing it. Sure. All right, Red, you want to give us the topic of the day? <laughs> That's the look I got from both of you guys just now. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, so, uh, yeah. So last episode we talked about how uh, at All22 we provide like a true reflection of the game more than any other platform, right? So we did an exercise using our scoring method of the PFF grades times the positional weights for matchups over the course of last season to see how closely it resembled the actual outcomes of the NFL and the total scoring of, of teams to see how they performed in totality, right? And so we ended up with the Rams as the number one team, followed by the Buccaneers, the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Packers. Uh, and our lowest scoring team was uh, was the Houston Texans. Then we had uh, the Chicago Bears, the Giants, and the Jets sort of rounding out the bottom five there. So, uh, again, both at, at the top end of the funnel and, and the bottom you know, it, it proved to be pretty accurate. So we also spoke about how the, the teams with the most players in our top 100 were much more successful than the teams with um, most players at the top of their positions. So again, sort of that whole talent acquisition aspect of, of the NFL. And so today we'll do a little bit of projecting forward to see how the offseason may have changed those rankings just from purely looking at, at that equation. And so uh, we're going to start off by seeing which teams uh, gained the most and lost the most based on um, the positional value of the starting level players that came and went through free agency in the draft. Um, so a little bit different from, from last week, but uh, I think we're kicking it off with the Jets, if I have that right. thought we're kicking off with Houston. It was supposed we to be Houston, Houston, but it doesn't matter, right? We could kick it off I, with whoever we want. You want me to kick I'll it do- off with Minnesota? Like, it doesn't matter. I'll do Houston. Whatever, fine. I'll just I'll just keep rolling here. You know, no yeah. no, no time to catch it's, up. This I'll is your sure. monologue. You know, this is like your just go your, right through your big scene. <laughs> sure, sure. So so Houston, right? So um, the second for the second year in, in free agency, you know, they they basically again just sort of signed a bunch of you know depth um, to I guess you could say raise the floor, the talent floor of their team overall. They didn't really break the bank for high level free agents. Um, that get paid a ton of money. They didn't do what the what the Jaguars did, for example, right? But we've spoken about it before, and I, I really love their draft. I love Derek Stingley, uh, as you all know. So again, that's a premier position at a top and a top young talent there um, that can change the geometry of your defense overall. Um, also love what they did with Kenyon Green as far as getting an identity on the left side of your offensive line with uh, with, with him and Tunsil. Um, he's just a great talent overall, and that'll help. Uh, whether Mills is the 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 long term starter there or not, it at least helps Mills uh, this year, and then whoever the quarterback is, then thereafter. Uh, they also got some high upside guys like Jalen Petrie and Christian Harris in the draft, and then if if you do look at AJ Can, right, he at guard at the other guard, uh, he was a solid player. If you throw away the disaster year he had last year, and pretty much everyone had last year in Jacksonville, just given the, the whole Urban Meyer fiasco, and just if you just pretend last year never happened, that's another solid starting player um, that they got on their offensive line. So again, sort of uh, building the the base and the core of your offense uh, to help out the young talent you have now, gain a bit of an identity, 
yeah, you're not going to contend for the playoffs or anything this year, but you're, you're slowly, again, raising that talent floor for your team so you can go ahead and make some more impactful moves in the next, in the next couple of years to get out of the basement of the league. So, um, you know, again, I think the Texans kind of followed uh, the plan similar to last year, but uh, had, in my opinion, a, a better draft and are on the on a long path, but uh, they're they're on the path to, I guess, relevancy and, and contention in a few years. Yeah, let's take a minute and talk about like that kind of approach, because, you know, we give we give teams that do that a lot of sla- you know, a lot of um, hate, you know, the Patriots did it last year, Houston did it last year, where they just spent a lot of money on these like very average players, but they were starting level players, right? And I think it's interesting when when you see that approach, because if you look at kind of the two most successful rookie quarterbacks, it might have been Mac Jones and um, Davis Mills, right? Like Trevor Lawrence was, was down in Jacksonville with nothing. Um, and yeah, maybe he had a few high-end players on that team, but like, it didn't pan out, but what does Jacksonville do this year? And they go and do something very similar and spend a lot of money on a lot of average players that are starting level players, maybe just to raise the floor of that quarterback. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily hate the approach for a team. And Ray, I think you're right. It gives them a nice floor um, and it gives you a base of players to kind of like evaluate. And then you can add that premium talent in the next couple of years when you're, when you're ready to compete. I think it helps having a Super Bowl winning coach too, rather than a coach that kicks your, Goddamn players, but yeah, that's that's huge. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, cool. Well, I think that was good. We, we're doing Jets next. Yeah, Go Jets. So, like, I'm actually pretty excited about the Jets this year. Um, and, like, I know I've said that before, but I don't think I've ever said that they're loaded, and it kind of feels like after this offseason, through the draft, through free agency, that they're loaded. Um I like what they did in the fact that they added a lot of low-value positions through free agency, but low-value, like, solid starter-quality positions through free agency. Like, you always hear that, like, cliche, like, teams are good teams are built through the draft, not free agency. Um, and I think people kind of roll their eyes at that, but I do like that the Jets are going that route. They had a, um, a guard, two safeties, two tight ends in free agency. Um Again, all star, all starter quality guys. Um, really like that direction for the Jets. And then to go in the draft and then get those high value guys with your premium picks, three first round picks, a corner, a receiver, and an edge rusher. Um, those are all guys that have you know four plus percentage points for all twenty two value. Um, I think that's huge for the Jets, and I'm really excited to see how it all comes together. I hope they have the guy and Robert Sala there that can bring it together. Um, but yeah, like I said, this team is is loaded. Everywhere you look, there's a a guy that should perform well. You have Carl Lawson coming back from injury. Um, and I think that I think both sides of the ball they're just stacked. Yeah, we've talked about it before, right? It's kind of now on, all on Zach Wilson to perform. And we just talked about how Davis Mills and Mac Jones were like maybe the top rookies. Zach Wilson was probably one of the worst, right? He performed pretty bad last year. Um, but all of these additions are supposed to make his life easier, so. It's really going to be um, on his shoulders whether or not the Jets are a boomer bust team. So the team that I have, Minnesota, I'm not excited to talk about because, like, I'm a Packer fan and I don't want to hear that a team in my division is getting better, but but they are. Um, and I think maybe they had some inside information on whether or not Rodgers was returning because their offseason was literally spent just boostering their defense, right? They have this 
slightly above average quarterback in Kirk Cousins, um, who who does a really well does a really good job of protecting the ball. Um, they have you know a few superstars with Justin Jefferson on that offense and Adam Thielen. So they probably went into this offseason saying, you know, we we have the foundation of a good offense. We don't we don't need anything to really make our offense a Super Bowl contending offense, right? It's 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 above average, but it's not it's not great, and that's always going to be limited to the quarterback they have. So what do they do? And they say, okay, we have to build our identity by going and building a top defense. I think they did that, right? They add Zadarius Smith from the Packers. They take him away from the Packers. They add Harrison Phillips to the inside, um, Jordan Hicks. They keep Patrick Peterson. And then in the draft, they had four premium picks. And three of them they spent on the defensive side as well. Safety, Lewis Sin, uh, corner, Andrew Booth. And then they grab a linebacker later on. So, you know, you're talking about potentially adding six starting players to that defense, all at premium positions, right? Um, you know, I think that's going to go a long way for them. And then just like with their losses, they didn't lose anyone that noteworthy. They lost Tyler Conklin and Xavier Woods, you know, not not huge losses. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Minnesota develops over the next couple of years, uh, you know, as Rogers ages and and if they build this, you know, really strong defense, could we see a, sh- a shift in that power? I forget their I forget their GM's name, but he did a really good job this year. And uh, I know he's kind of like not the most experienced guy in the world, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for for how well he did in this off season. Um, it's funny. I don't know if you guys saw that he came out and like. He's talking about Kirk Cousins and pretty much said that he's like, yeah, like he's good. He's not great or kind of called him mediocre in a way or some people took it that way. Wow. Um, that thought that was super interesting. So I wonder, you know, how the roster looks in the future if, you know, like you said, Chris, like if, you know, th- there's years to take advantage of the Packers, like there's this window window of opportunity to take advantage of the Packers and, the, and their decline coming up. I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, how that looks if Kirk Cousins isn't the guy to take advantage, like what, what, what moves, what moves they make to kind of, you know, seize that, that gap, that window of opportunity. Yeah. I like when GMs tell the truth, yeah. like they tell the truth there. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's funny because when we, we first kind of went through the Vikings, I, I wasn't on board with this. I was like, yeah, it's the Vikings. It's whatever. And the, the Packers are still the clear top dog. And maybe they are because Rogers is still that good and they have such high quality quarterback play. But they did make some solid moves there to put themselves in position to take advantage of a downturn at you know in Green Bay if and when that happens, um, whether that's with Kirk Cousins in the next couple of years or in the future post Rogers overall, they did set themselves up pretty nicely. So yeah, I, I think you guys convinced me of that one. Yeah, and again, like with what we're doing right now, we're not saying these are playoff teams. These are not teams that are going to be super Bowl, contending for a Super Bowl necessarily. It's just they, with the moves they made this offseason, they put themselves in a much better place. And we think that based on the players they added and the percentage of weight that they added to their teams, it's going to make them a lot better than they were last year. So just want to clarify that. And then, guys, do you want to talk about anyone else? You know, we, we have other teams that we can highlight here. Um, or we can move on to biggest losers, but um, I know you know some of the other names are you know Miami. Do we, do we want to talk about Miami for a second? Yeah, my, Miami might be the obvious one, right? They, I mean, they they got Tyreek Hill, uh, Taron Armstead. Uh, I love Chase Edmonds at, at running back. 
they they had a terrible offensive line, but they did also, aside from Armstead, they also got Connor Williams uh, at guard. Again, just a solid starter-level player. Um, they signed Cedric Wilson, who's another underrated, you know, very athletic receiver. Uh, signed Melvin Ingram as well. And they didn't really lose much, right? I mean, you, you sign all those big names and you lose, what, Devontae Parker? Like, that's – that. who cares, really? Um, and they set themselves up nicely to where the roster is in a really strong position, and now it's just a matter of is Tua legit or not, and and that's what uh, you know that's what we'll find out this season. Yes, they had a, a head coaching change, but they did keep their their defensive coordinator uh, despite losing uh, Brian Flores. Uh, and I'm a McDaniel Stan, um, you know, just just love that offense and and what he can do and the possibilities of having both Waddle and Hill on the field at the same time and what what they can do to complement each other. So again, it's kind of the obvious one. People have been talking about it all off season, but um, Miami's definitely one of the biggest movers. Yeah. I've talked about Miami enough. This people are probably really sick about hearing me talk about Miami. So I'm not going to say anything else. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. I get it. <laughs> and then Bobby, did you want to talk about Carolina? No, it's all right. We can, we can move on. Yeah. All no, right, so the other one. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously the, the, the big takeaway is them adding Baker for pretty much nothing this year. And I think I asked you guys before, like, had Carolina known they were going to get Baker, probably don't waste a third round pick on, on Matt Corral. Um, I wonder, I wonder what they would do there to add some, some more value. Um, but I do like them getting a tackle in the first round, um, but other than that, really not a ton of value that they got through the draft. I mean, think about it. Essentially, that third-round pick on Matt Corral is wasted at this point. Um, so you have a first, a fourth, a sixth, two sixths, and a seventh. Um, it's really not a huge opportunity to add a ton of value. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I think they made some nice moves in free agency, but – it's all going to depend on how this quarterback competition plays out. It, it's crazy because I really liked what they did a couple years back and what they were building up until they then traded for Sam Darnold, and then that didn't work out. And then you look back, and now they they make the trade. Sure, they don't give up a lot for for Baker, right? And you, that, I mean, it's definitely worth it, right? I think Baker's been slandered way too much this offseason. Yeah. I mean, he played through a lot of tough injuries, and and he's had high level play throughout his young career for a bad franchise. So he's definitely gotten way too much uh, criticism, but they basically gutted the core of their last two drafts to try and solve the quarterback spot without getting a high level player. Now Baker might hit and maybe that works out, but you still kind of cratered two years of core draft picks that make up much of your team when 24 months ago was looking they were looking kind of kind of solid there when when they were building their defense and so forth so they they may have swung and missed and i think that's i think that's a consensus over there in carolina that they had a bit of a window there they did not take advantage of it and we're not sure how long that staff's going to be there and what that's going to look like um but i think baker's a good quarterback and i think he can you know win some games for them and be a lot better than people think so we'll see how it shakes out but um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't be very high on the optimism meter for the panthers i kind of have like similar like vibes is what minnesota is doing right it's like if you can have an average offense that at times can play at a slightly above average level and then you have a great defense 
can you contend and, and try to win? I think that's what they're trying to do. They added, like Bobby said, the tackle. They added a guard in free agency, and then they had a quarterback. I think Baker's good enough. Like, I really do. And it's funny because I was so down on Matt Rule, and I was so down on the moves that that team was making. And, I like, this is going to – some people might hate me for saying this, but, like, I hate Cleveland and the moves that they made. I just don't like it. I don't like that way of doing doing business. And they go and hand what could be a very good quarterback to a team that was, like, struggling mightily to find one, right? Like, could there be a story here where, like, all of a sudden Baker Mayfield's career, you know, resurrects, he has a great season, Carolina does well and exceeds expectations, and Deshaun Watson's still not playing football, right? And Cleveland doesn't do well. Like, is there a world that that happens? We have a lot of subscribers that come from Ohio, and I just want to make it clear, like, (laughs) I don't hate Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) I actually love Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland's pretty, city. It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about your time at Cleveland, Ray? Or no, we're going to talk about the team that that surprise uh, or that we think will surprise in twenty twenty two. Now, so we can move on to that. Okay, you we, want to talk about Mike, surprise teams? We have a Michael Irvin story, and I feel like that should go for like our last podcast ever. You know, it's kind of like the PFF story with John Ross. We have yeah. a Michael Irvin one. But Maybe we'll, before uh, we retire, we'll tell that one. Yeah, like we'll the hold day on before our retirement. Yeah. <laughs> in 40 years. Yeah. Um, okay. No, let's talk about the teams that we think lost the most value. Let's, let's transition to that. All right. Um, I can start with the Rams. So interesting, right? Super Bowl winner. Like I think a lot of times when you play at that high of a level, you know, you, you, you get there because you uh, spend so much on your current situation. And that's kind of what they did, right? They put all their eggs in and it paid off. They won the Super Bowl. So now I think they're coming down from that a little bit. And they lost a few key starters in free agency. They've lost Von Miller and Austin Corbett. Um, and they lost Andrew Whitworth to retirement. They traded away Robert Woods. So the, like those are, those are good players. Those are really good players. Um, and then they lost a lot of depth. They lost like five other players that were, you know, not maybe starting level players, but they were rotational players. And uh, losing that depth on an already like top heavy roster can be difficult, right? We know that their strategy is to have as many, you know, low draft picks as they can, and they just add a bunch of, like, sixth, seventh round picks um, to try to fill in for those guys that they lose. So that might very well be their strategy. They only had one, we think, starting level pick, and that's a guard they added in the third round. Um, And then they only added, really, their big moves were Bobby Wagner and Allen Robinson. So is Allen Robinson that much of a you know, uh, a leg up from Robert Woods. Uh, maybe with the injury, yes. the answer is yes, because Robert Woods was injured. But, like, is it that significant? Yes. Penn State fan says yes, Bobby. I'm with I'm with the Penn State fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So we think it's People huge. forget how good Allen Robinson is. People forget how good he is. Like, he's just had he, – he would have been better off having Jugs machines at quarterback <laughs> the last few years of his career. He's – yeah. Okay. Very good. So we think that they upgraded that receiver – do we think Bobby Wagner is a huge upgrade for them? Like, you know, losing Von Miller and adding Bobby Wagner, obviously they're different positions, but is Bobby Wagner really going to be that much of an impact player for them? I, I, I think that was, I think his impact's been overstated a little bit, um, but he still helps. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a solid starter. Um, I think Von Miller is more impactful, but it's a good signing for them in their situation. Sure. Yeah. I th- but they lost more with Miller than they gained with Wagner. Right. 
we, we talk about like, we talked about it with center, but like linebacker similar, right? It's like sometimes even if he's not the best player, it's having that voice on the football field, the guy that can, that can run the defense for you from the field. So right. there might be that value. Like who would you rather have that red dot or green dot on the helmet rather than uh, Bobby Wagner? So yeah, I think yeah. that's a huge value. Yeah. So, so with, with all of their losses, like I think kind of what we saw with the data is like, maybe they're not as good as they were last year, right? But they're still going to be a really good team. They still have that top-level talent. They're still going to be a really good team. I just, I'm not sure they have the depth to, again, be a Super Bowl team. So that's that's my take on that. Who's next, guys? I, I can rant about the Cowboys. Uh, I think that's one that a lot of people point to as to having a, a down offseason, which no matter what Stephen Jones tries to spin, I mean, it was, right? You, you lost Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson, and then it's not a, they didn't lose his player per se, but Michael Gallup tore his ACL late in the season last year, so he's not going to be 100% for much of the year. So that's a huge hit to the receiver room. Uh, they lost uh, Connor Williams at, at guard and Randy Gregory at defensive end um, over there on the edge. Uh, they did bring in Dante Fowler, um, to, which I guess to try and kind of offset that Randy Gregory loss. Um, they they did uh, draft Tyler Smith in the first round to replace the the loss of Connor Williams, but the the firepower on offense is just not what it was a year ago. Right, heading into this season, uh, even if you factor in an improvement and and the natural growth of of CD Lamb, and you like the Jalen Tolbert pick at wide receiver, uh, it, it's definitely not packing as much of a punch as it was heading into last season, especially when you look at the deals that. Uh, the receivers got in free agency this 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 offseason and the price of Hollywood Brown uh, on the trade market. And then you you went ahead and, and gave away Amari Cooper for like a fifth round pick when he's getting paid, what, $10 million less than someone like Tyreek Hill. He's not as dynamic or as big of a playmaker as Tyreek Hill. But if you have a top level receiver like that at, at essentially market price, why are you getting worse on purpose? Um, so they definitely had uh, – they did not win the offseason, uh, and they haven't for a few years now, and there's a lot of hype around Philadelphia. We'll see how that all shakes out. Um, but just heading into the season, I don't see any way you can look at the Cowboys roster top to bottom compared to where they were last year and think they got anything but slightly worse. At least you paid your running back, though, you know? Yeah, yeah that, that's important, giving, giving you know, $20 million to your running back. That, that's, that's important. Well, I hope gotta lock up his ego. I hope you're right, and they take a step back this year. That'll be nice. They, they may take a step back and then still win the yeah. division, though, and then <laughs> probably. So there's that. Probably. <laughs> yeah, they're curi- they're they're in a curious situation. I, I just don't really understand it, but yeah, that's why they're on that part of the list that we made. Bobby, you're going to talk about Chicago. Chicago. So it's funny too because like. I was like really banging the table for Ryan Poles to be the next Giants general manager this year. And uh, I think we might have dodged a bullet. I mean, obviously it's way too soon because we don't really know. Like one offseason doesn't show his master plan. But like they didn't have that much value to begin with. And then to see the moves that they make through free agency, through the draft, they really didn't like add add anything substantial. Like if you look at if you look at their their free agency acquisitions. Um, they had a defensive interior, an edge guard receiver, and then another edge. And like, none of them are that good. If you go down that list, like 
none of them are really difference makers. I mean, some of them like borderline starters, none of them are really like really that significant. Obviously kind of handed a mixed bag in the draft. Uh, not much really you could do there because, you know, they traded away their first round pick to the Giants last year. So only given a couple seconds, a third, and then but five picks from the fifth to the seventh round. So I think the future of Ryan Poles and the Bears depends on how he's going to be able to work those late rounds and add some value and some some contributors through those late round picks. Um, I did like that they got Kyler Gordon. Um, Kyler Gordon was like one of my favorite players in the draft. I, I saw a bunch of people putting him in the first round. So, but other than that, I mean, like I said, for a team that really didn't have that much value to begin with, they certainly didn't add add that much this year. Yeah, I, I wasn't the highest on Justin Fields heading into last year's class, but it's it's hard to not feel bad for him just given that situation. He's just being completely left out to dry, and then who knows what that's going to look yeah. like if they're a if they're one of the top three teams in the draft this coming season. So, what does that mean for his future? It's almost like it's, it's almost like Poles was like, yeah, this isn't my guy. I inherited him, and it's like let's set him up to fail so we can move on a little quicker. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of which bad is for which him. is which is terrible too, because it's, they don't have the foundational pieces elsewhere. Right. So like if they're going to use another first round pick on a quarterback in the next couple of years, it's like, okay, what about your tackle and receiver that you're missing on that offense, two or, tackles and, and two receivers that you're missing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A mixed bag of receivers just jerry rigged together. It's just weird. Right. And, and you were talking about how they added players, but none of them are that good. Right. But we were talking before about, Jacksonville and and um, the Patriots and Houston kind of doing that similar thing, but they did it different. Like they added actual starting players, right? Like even if they're not the best starters, they're starting players. The Bears didn't like their guys are like I don't think we would deem most of them starting level players. They might be starters for the Bears, but but we wouldn't deem them starting level players. Right. Exactly. They're starting for the Bears. Right. <laughs> right. Which which is why they're going to win three games this year. So yeah, brutal. All right, so then, you know, those are the main teams we wanted to highlight on, kind of like the biggest losers. You know, our goal is not to, like, just, like, bash teams and what they do because, obviously, there's always, like, a method to the madness. Um, Other teams we just wanted to, like, highlight really quick was Arizona. Like, Arizona, I think their biggest losses really were Chandler Jones and then losing, you know, half a season with Hopkins. Um, So that's that's kind of, like, their biggest losses. Um, They added Hollywood Brown, so offsets Hopkins a little bit, but like he's nowhere close to that level of player. So um, I don't want to go too, too deep into that. Um, and then the Raiders were on our list too for biggest losers, which might come off as weird because they did add a lot of guys, quality guys. But I think it's one of those things where, you know, they added some really nice pieces, but they lost a lot of like their depth. So it's a trend we're seeing kind of teams trying to replicate what the Rams are doing, right? Just like get those top guys and then fill in the rest with, with later round picks. Um, so that's why the Raiders kind of are in that situation. Any Anything else to add to this part of the conversation, guys? Good on my end. Yeah, don't pay your running back. <laughs> okay, so, so the, the last thing I wanted to kind of talk about is essentially, right, so like last week Ray said, we talked about which teams, um, if you used the all-22 scoring system for all the NFL teams last year, how would they have panned out, right? And we actually did that and found that the top teams were the top teams in the NFL, right? Our top team was the Rams last year. They won the Super Bowl. Um, Cincinnati was in our top. They went to the Super Bowl. So that was really cool. So essentially what we did this week is we said, 
if you look at how much weight a team gained and lost, starting level weight a team gained and lost, how would it impact essentially like against what they did last year? So we ran that equation, which is, again, we're not a gambling site. We're not going to tell you to use this for any gambling purposes. But it's, it's cool to see this information because when we think about what teams are going to surprise you, this is our way of being able to, to work that system. And the teams that we came up with were Minnesota, Miami, Denver, Cincinnati, and Tennessee. Kind of surprising names, right? Like for, for teams that we were saying are going to rise the most and might actually end up being contenders. I'm not so sure about Minnesota um, because they still have to play Aaron Rodgers, but those other teams very well could be. Um, anything you guys want to talk about specifically with any of them? It's, it's actually not too surprising to me. I mean, Tennessee, I, I maybe I'm the last one still like on on the planet that's a little skeptical of Derrick Henry heading into this year. It's just he's got a lot of mileage and it was a bad injury. Yes, it's the first time he was injured. I'm not but it does happen quick when when that fall comes. And so, you know, it's they run that offense basically through him and, and that offensive line. So if he is not the same guy because of injury and mileage, it, it may not work out you know, the way they had hoped. So I'm a little skeptical of, of Tennessee. Now, I see why they're on this list, and, and they definitely have the, the ceiling and the upside to make a run here. But there is a there is a chance and there's a possibility there or a scenario you can envision where uh, the wheels sort of fall off the wagon a bit and their window starts to close or fully closes. But Denver, I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson, right? That, that roster is strong top to bottom elsewhere. We talked about Miami already. Um, well, let's stop at Denver know, for a Cincinnati, second. So. Did you, like, yeah, if you have seen lately, a lot of sites are starting to do their um, projected records, right, for each division. And I've seen many times Denver being last in that division with a losing record, like eight and nine or whatever it is. So, like, our data is telling that's, us something different. It's not going to happen. Our data is telling us something very different. Where where do you guys think they fall? To me, they're first or second in in that division. I, I think if if anyone's projecting a step back for a team, I, I, it's hard to project a step back for any team in in that division. But I, I can't see them. That, that roster is so good, and they added Russell Wilson. I can't eight and nine is just something I cannot see. Just. Well, I thought they're all good teams. So it's like one of them might have to end up being eight and nine, but I don't think it'll yeah, be. You have a jersey, good... dude. You can't win that many games. You can't. <laughs> Ray, I thought you'd have a good take on this, right? Because you've said this in the past on on this podcast, right? You said there are not that many coaches that are value add coaches, right? So if people are saying that Denver's the one team that's not going to win because they have Nathaniel Hackett and we don't know what he is, does it matter, right? Or is it just? They now have a future Hall yeah, of Fame quarterback, and that's what's going to matter. Yeah, they have future Hall of Fame quarterback. That matters way more. Um, and it's, it's, it's possible, too, it's like that, that the performance of some of those pieces around Russell Wilson to date have been so held back by how poor that quarterback position was before, right? If Jerry Judy has Russell Wilson for the last couple of years – is he already thought of as a top 15 type receiver because someone can actually get him the ball when he creates separation in his routes. So he has better seasons under his belt already. We're not talking about him as a potential breakout or a sleeper type or has his window passed by already. Like 
that whole receiver room could be thought of. And people already have a high opinion of that receiver room already, right? It, it's pretty deep with Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler coming back from injury too, alongside Judy. But people might be talking about these players differently if they had a quality quarterback getting them the ball the last couple of years. So I, I think the pieces around Russ might be discounted by what people have seen or have not seen from them the last couple of years because of that situation. Exactly. And Bobby, this is something you and I have talked about, right? It's like offensive lines are very much impacted by the quarterback behind them, right? Like guys, the quarterback that can see things and call it out to those guys. Like that's why I think we see a lot of rookie offensive linemen with young rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks, not as successful as a guy like Tristan Wirfs who goes and plays with Tom Brady, right? Maybe the offensive line in Denver, which has been even already above average, is actually a very good offensive line. And this year we will see it be a very good offensive line because Russ is there. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of like veteran offensive lines for young quarterbacks. Like have the offensive line in place first, get the young quarterback after for that exact reason, Chris. I think it's not easier, but it's I think it's better for a young offensive line to have a, a veteran quarterback behind him, just like you said. And uh, just want to mention on this list, like, Chris, I see that you, you know, we have like this top five list of teams to watch. How do you not add the Giants, dude? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with you, dude? I think you're just like trying to get me going. Here's, here comes the eye roll from Ray. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right. The episode's gone on too long. I, uh, no, I, it, that's a really good point because. No, I, I agree with what you're going to say already. I already know what Bobby's going to say. I'm just I saying in the, top, in the top 40 picks in the draft, you get an edge rusher, mm-hmm. you get um, a receiver, and you get a tackle. Like, Come on, man. That's, that's just straight disrespect <laughs> not putting them on there. So I actually had a very very similar thought as you. So when I was running the equations, I looked at the list and I was like, where are the Giants, right? And they weren't that low. I think they were like 12 or 13 on the list. Um, and the biggest reason was is because you guys lost players too, though, right? Like you got rid of a Dory Jackson semi-unnecessarily. No, no, not a Dory Jackson, I'm sorry. Um, James Bradbury. The other corner? James Bradbury, Bradbury. right? Yeah. So yeah. you lost players kind of unnecessarily um, that took away from the gains that you guys did. And we had no money. That's why the Giants aren't on this list. Yeah. But I agree with you. I think they are a team to watch, and I think there's an, there's an opportunity for them to be really good. I saw somebody actually tweet today about how, like, Daniel Jones, who's going as QB 24 in most drafts, is, like, possibly the steal of fantasy season because he can run because, he you know, he is like a – decently accurate quarterback and can do well when he has players on the field with him. Right. And if this year the Giants can stay healthy, Daniel Jones could do that. He could be the guy. No more Jason Garrett. We had a, we had that sleeper poll for like the sleeper quarterbacks and like Daniel Jones lost to James Winston by a lot. Hmm. I find that unbelievable. James has had good chances and this is Daniel Jones's first good chance. Yeah, he has he had LASIK, so it's a oh, okay. different person okay. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you 100. Um, percent The only other team I, we haven't talked anything about the Bengals. Bengals need to be talked about a little bit, but everybody's talking about them, so we'll keep it brief. They increased almost every position on their offensive line, made it better. That was their one weakness. They didn't get superstars on the offensive line, but they got above average starters. Um, to a team that was already a Super Bowl team. Uh, I don't know if you heard the coach uh, yesterday or the day before. He was talking, people were asking, like, what do you think, you know, 
what's your projection for this year? And he's like, well, like people were saying, are you a sleeper? And he's like, I hope we're not a sleeper. Like team, if teams are looking at us as a sleeper, they better wake up because we made it to the Super Bowl and we only got better. And I think with the offensive line additions through the draft, they did well. Um, I'm, I'm excited for them. I, I think they very well should be on this list. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. That's essentially all we got. Anything else from you? Excited for training camps again, full swing and uh, all the content that comes from it. Cool. Well, again, thank you all for tuning in. If you haven't done so yet, visit all-22.com to sign up because we are live. Uh, people are still asking us if we have a promo code. Yes, we have a promo code, ALL22PFF, all caps. Um, gives you 40% off. Use it right now. Remember, this season uh, begins in September. Make sure you're doing that. And then give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, and actually on TikTok. Ray is TikTok famous, so you're going to want to see that. Uh, we are at all22 underscore PFF. And then uh, leave us a review, right, on our podcasts, wherever you watch. And that's it. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.